are listening to Operations Avenue, the podcast where your friendly neighborhood resource coordinators answer your questions before you know you have them. My name is Jess, and I am the resource coordinator for Area 3. My name's Amber, and I'm the resource coordinator for Area 1. Kimberly here, resource coordinator for Area 2. Hey, y'all. It's Ruth, resource coordinator for Area 4. All right, so we're digging in today. Uh, We are going to be talking about chapter finances. Um, So I think first thing is just like understanding what you absolutely have to pay (laughs) Um, as it pertains to the Heritage Center, at least. Yep. Let's talk about money. The dues. Chapter dues. So in general, at least, I like to think that remembering what the dues for the Heritage Center are pretty easy to remember because some of them are like the reverse of themselves. Um, So $60 minimum to the Heritage Center is what student member dues are. There's $48 pledge fee, $84 initiate fee, and then the $30 for insurance. But the important thing to remember is all of those occur at different times. Yeah. Um, Some happen per semester, some happen... per term, I should say, uh, and some happen annually. So when we talk about dues, that is that $60 should be coming out of however many dues you're charging your chapter. So if your dues are $100, 60 of that should come to us. Or if you're charging $200, 60 of that comes to us. Whatever it is that you are um, kind of charging, charging your members, members for and we kind experience. of we kind of recommend that you charge more than just the sixty dollars to us so that you guys have operating wiggle room right. to like Funs. operate and do fun things because someone who, has to pay for recruitment yeah or like budget for fraternity events that you're required to go for right. go to and um on campus things as well yeah even but though yeah. it's the minimum charge more i mean but, but not yeah. A crazy amount. Right, right. I mean, but that $60 to it, you know, it's just to ensure your accounts are current with, you know, Heritage Center. So, yeah. Definitely bare minimum. That varies from chapter to chapter. So that's Mm -hmm. just kind of something that you guys have to decide how much you want to charge your members, depending on how many events you have, how many members you have, just what works best for you. Regardless of what you're charging your members, though, um, dues are due each term on October 15th and February 15th. And one of the things I kind of wanted to dig into on that is understanding how that relates to other things that you have to do as a chapter. Mm -hmm. So um, one thing that a lot of chapters do is update their roster when people haven't been showing up or haven't been paying. And so if you know that dues are due either on October 1st for fall or February, or excuse me, October 15th for fall, Mm -hmm. October 15th for fall, or February 15th for spring, right? then you know when you have to tell your chapter that dues are due by mm-hmm. to give yourself that 30-day wiggle room to update them to suspended financial before the roster cutoff so that you're not paying money for people who never paid you. So mm-hmm. if it's October 15th, make sure that dues need to be paid to the chapter no later than September 15th. If it's February 15th, January 15th isn't super realistic for most chapters. Yeah. The the February 15th, like if you, we kind of, it's not necessarily, 
something that we like to see that you putting people on suspended financial so soon like that in the spring, um, that suspended financial is more towards like for the, for the fall than the spring. But I would say to be safe in spring, do it. If you are back to campus in January, which I assume nearly all universities are, um, assign those no later than January 31st. Um, because even though that's pro- that's like less than a day of turnaround between February 28th and the March 1st roster deadline for spring, mm-hmm. it will allow you to update those people who haven't paid um, if it gets to be 30 days out. So we understand like people might tell you that they're going to pay and then they don't like that's why it's super important to stay diligent on top of your roster to understand who's doing what. Um because people can have good intentions, but if those good intentions don't follow through, like it hurts the chapter. Yeah, or something comes yeah. up, you never know. And it's it's just really important, like twofold, super important to make sure that you're giving your uh, chapter members that 30-day window. Otherwise, you're just setting them up for failure anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just another shining example of how making sure your roster is updated and accurate is so important. If it falls into so many other things, if it's not accurate. Yeah, because we we don't know who is actually showing up to things. So if they're on your roster as a collegiate on March 1st, you're not you're not going to get that $60 back for them. So one thing, too, as just highlighted, like January 15th, is it's so unrealistic. One thing I like to tell my chapters is if you are a chapter that utilizes payment plans, Super great idea. We understand not everyone can has hundreds potentially of dollars up front at the beginning of every academic term to pay dues. Right. When you're putting together payment plans, have the first payment at least cover that sixty dollars mm-hmm. so that if they don't default on their payment plan before the roster cutoff, you at least have the sixty dollars that you're gonna be charged because you can't update them before the deadline. Yeah. Um so you're not losing any chapter funds, even though they default at a later time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just wanted to, this is something that I got from a chapter. And so I just wanted to make this point that um, if someone is on your roster suspended, you can't charge that person dues because the Heritage Center is not charging you that $60 for that person. So it's important to understand um, collegiate members are the ones that will be charged on your roster. But if they are suspended, you cannot continue mm-hmm. to assign to them, hey, $60, $60, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Not yeah, just anything other than collegiate. So right. always to... Right, because we're not invoicing you for that suspended mm-hmm. member. And to to go off Ruth's point also, um, you know, sometimes chapters don't make checking over their roster a priority. So if mm-hmm. you let someone sit on your roster for two, three semesters without paying, and then you realize it and you need to update them to suspended financial you can only put them in suspended financial status for one semester's worth of dues. It's not right. mm-hmm. that individual's fault that that wasn't kind of taken care of yeah. at the onset. Right. Yeah. You can't just turn around and be like, they haven't paid for two years, like their entire membership. Um, can we charge like $400 for them? Yeah, no. Your no, chapter no. neglected that responsibility. Mm-hmm. You guys Nopsis. have to keep. Yeah. Gotta stay on top of that. But okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, let yeah, um, let's just 
mosey on into the actual bane of my existence as far as finances go, explaining insurance. Well, yeah, because it's related to various roster stages. Right. (laughs) Right? Um, It is difficult with a capital D. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'd say all cap. Yeah. All of those Solid caps. Okay. Difficult. Um, Yeah. Insurance, as I said earlier, is $30 charged to your chapter in the fall. And it's based off of the March 1 roster plus your spring initiates. That sounds simple. But we're just going to dive into it a little deeper. Yeah, because you're when we say March 1 roster, you're probably thinking, oh, just our collegiate members. But it encompasses more than that. It includes your LOA members because they are members in good standing. They've just taken a leave, obviously, and LOAs kick back after every academic term. So they, our assumption is that they will continue to be active in the fall. Um It also could encompass any people who you've had transfer into your chapter um, because they are active members. And it does not take out your spring graduates because that will cover the additional pledges you'll get in the following spring term. Yeah. Yeah. So being that this is a fall charge, um, is this one we would recommend chapters to maybe collect a little bit more in dues? I say that in the spring so that way they're covered for fall yeah i i mean i think it's a best practice just to have your dues set high enough that you're charging enough to collect your heritage center dues plus insurance each term it doesn't make sense for your for your dues to flip-flop between fall and spring Mm -hmm. it gets really confusing and really messy um so i say you know at minimum every chapter should probably be charging at least a hundred dollars for member dues um that means annually you're getting $50 um, to just have the chapter function. Um, Obviously your chapters are welcome to charge more than that for whatever it is that they need to cover operationally. Mm -hmm. Um, But dues increases should also be something that is voted on at a chapter level and everyone has to agree that they're willing to pay that amount. So you can't just roll into, you know, the fall chapter kickoff meeting and like, be like, guess what? Dues are $300 <laughs> now. Woo, yay. Casual $200 increase, like that's not going to fly. So Mm-mm. it definitely is a conversation to be having chapter wide. If if your treasurer and your e-board are like, man, we can't do anything. We don't have the money or or more, more realistic, like we're in debt and we need to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Um, that needs to be a conversation that you take to the chapter and needs to include everyone. Um, everyone whether they were there mm-hmm. when the finances fell apart or not. Right. They're, they're responsible for the chapter. So everyone yeah. needs to kind of come together on the solution as well. Yeah. This is just another broken record. Another shining example of making sure that your roster is updated. Cause every year like clockwork, I get emails and sometimes phone calls from students, chapter officers that are out of their wits about, they got charged for so many people for these $30 increments. And it's like, we don't have that many people in our chapter. And then. Well, and I, I think the, the thing to know about that too, is like, it's not one person's sole responsibility mm-hmm. chapter roster management, because 
I I have had numerous chapters be like, oh, well, so-and-so was friends. They were friends and they just let it slide. And, you know, that might work out for those two people, but it it hurts everybody mm-hmm. else. So if you notice that something on your roster isn't adding up, like you need to address it either in an e-board meeting or, you know, in a chapter meeting, however, to make sure that everything there is accurate. It, mm-hmm. it could not be more functionally important for your chapter. Right. I um, love that, Kimberly. Yeah. Just making sure more than one pair of eyes is looking at your roster. Yeah, absolutely. You know? I mean, I like being, ele- being elected to eboard, you're signing up t- to take care of the chapter. And that doesn't necessarily mean like taking care of your one silo of responsibilities. It's mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. Snaps fingers. That shouldn't, <laughs> shouldn't just be the president right. dealing with all the things. Shouldn't just be, the treasurer, the treasurer dealing the with just the finances right shouldn't just be vp membership dealing with membership like everybody is mm-hmm. responsible for everything it's just right. like a real life i guess like in the in the work uh world in the work marketplace you know they have board meetings at the office and everyone's presenting you know maybe their portion of their findings or what they have so that way everyone is in the loop everyone knows what's going on yeah, yeah. indeed so another thing chapters will um inevitably be charged for because you have to hold initiations Mm -hmm. are pledge and initiate fees. So Mm -hmm. these are charged to chapters after you report your pledges and after you report your initiates. So these can get wonky really quickly if you're not reporting things Mm -hmm. on time. Yeah. Um, When you report your pledges through your recruitment campaign after they've gone through induction, you will be charged $48 per pledge. Mm -hmm. Um, That is definitely something you should be collecting from individuals before they go through induction. Exactly. Yep. Something you're talking about throughout recruitment week. Like, hey, like, you know, if you get offered a bid and you're interested in joining, like, this is the fee to do so. Make it Um, be known so it's not... So them exactly they yeah. accept their bid yeah set the expectation early so that they're not blindsided and that they're ready for it and then if it's something that isn't realistic for them at the time they can facilitate that conversation right away as opposed to on the spot um feeling mm-hmm. awkward or pressured yeah you want them to feel good. welcome they're new and it's mm-hmm. it's super important to again report 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 after within seven days of induction induction. and then we'll get to it again in initiation i'm sure i'll say report another 15 times (laughs) um because if you for whatever reason have a drop pledge you could get that money back if you report them within that seven day window Mm -hmm. well it uh, there's it's a little more complicated than that so it has to be if the pledges drop if the pledge drops either they get dropped which would be very concerning or they choose to leave the program which is more realistic for that window that 10-day window it has to be 10 days from induction so there's a lot of steps to actually get that 48 dollars back you have to hold induction let's say on 9 15 september 15 Mm -hmm. that means by september 25th 10 days later you would have had to have reported them they would have had to have dropped and then you would have had to reported them as dropped if all of those things don't occur within that 10-day window, you're not going to get that credit back. So they could drop day two. And if they aren't reported for mm-hmm. seven days and then you don't report them as dropped for another 10, like you're that month. Yeah, mm-hmm. no. Mm-hmm. So it's so important. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, like, and don't, don't 
like actively choose to not report until after everyone's been initiated to kind of save yourself money from being charged because I've seen that too which is kind of shady um (laughs) but like you hold up fraternity-wide port reporting if you yeah. don't you hold report up, on time. Yeah, exactly. you hold up the pledge experience because I know starting um, in the next term or so, pledges will be getting access to online learning mm-hmm. um, that they're not going to have access to until they're reported. So right. if you don't report them until you know halfway through the pledge process, yeah. they're going to be behind on all of that education. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. I just feel like chapters just fail to realize, you know, whatever you have on file is what we have because we're not on the grounds. We're not at your chapter meetings. We mm-hmm. don't see who's coming and who's attending. So uh, just the two key words, if anything, just from this first portion of our chapter finances uh, podcast would be rosters and reporting. Mm-hmm. Like oh. we have what you give us, what you have on file is what we see on our end and it's what chapters are invoiced for. Indeed. So we're not making up these numbers. This is what you have in chapter spot. And then to obviously pair along with pledge fees are initiate fees. So mm-hmm. once initiation happens, those new members, those new brothers new people <laughs> need to be reported as initiated. And that is actually a different process than how you initiate or report pledges. Um, because reporting initiates happens just through your general chapter roster, mm-hmm. clicking a little box next to everybody's name and yep. updating their status to collegiate. To collegiate. Yep. I think it's important to note too, um, to if you do have drop pledges, update the dropped pledges first. Because mm-hmm. um, you, as a chapter member, you can't undo accidentally reporting someone as initiated. Yeah. You have to reach out to us. Yep. And that's just like extra no. work. Yeah. <laughs> just so many more clicks for us being ridiculous on that but mm-hmm. um it, the initiate fees is the inverse of the pledge fees 84 dollars um kim hinted on it earlier but like you gotta pay to play do not put someone don't don't induct them don't initiate them unless they've paid those fees that's just the long and the short of it um we've i've seen personally in like my chapter and like other chapters where they'll get so much money like just floating in the air because they've initiated people but they haven't paid anything Mm -hmm. and then they choose to leave the chapter and then they still owe us five hundred dollars it's coming from a social greek perspective but it's easily translatable but you just just do it it's it's (laughs) it's better i mean i don't know how else to say just just pay pay to play and I, well, and I think the reason that's important is because it allows the chapter to pay immediately after reporting. All that money has already been collected. And the downside of not reporting right away is that you delay those invoices coming to the chapter. So if you don't report your spring initiates until fall, you're going to get billed twice in the fall for initiate fees because of your spring initiates mm-hmm. and then ultimately your fall initiates. And if it's a completely new treasure, they might not understand why they're getting billed twice. They might not pay the invoice. Then you're racking up finance charges. Those people that were initiated too many times in the spring could be like, but it's the fall now. It's been so long since I've been initiated. Why should I have to pay this? Like, right, right. Just do it. Well, you know, you have a lot of money sitting in the account that you might not know that was 
for fees that you haven't paid for mm-hmm. yet, yeah. use it for something else, then it's just a bad situation. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then that just kind of also streams into, you know, people asking, you know, I didn't get my membership certificate. It just, it, it, yeah. it's a rolling ball that just <laughs> You don't stops. get those membership materials or the pledge pins or whatever right. until like after you report them because then we know what number of those things to send to you exactly report please report 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 another thing a thing i want to hint on before we move on to like other things that pledge like dues can go to is the amount of these pledge and initiate fees and what they should be going to mm. um we we ask you give us 84 84 for initiate and 48 for pledge. Similarly with pledge with student member dues, you don't have to just charge that, but specifically for pledge fees and initiate fees, especially for pledge fees, if you're charging them 48 or um like more than that, which would total to like 132 if you're just Yeah, between the two of them. Between the two of them. If you're charging more all of that money you collect from those pledges and those new members should go to their pledge experience and their new member experience. Absolutely no reason under God's green one that you should be charging 200 some odd dollars and then only some of that money go to the pledge and then the rest go to like a subsidizing chapter operation. Yeah. Or like a, like a slush fund. Oh my God, don't do that. But like, (laughs) It's it's just it's shady. It's rude. It's yeah. disrespectful. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. And then it puts the pledge in a bad state of mind. You yeah. know when it when Very their first semester theoretically should be their most exciting semester, and they're you know they're trying to get excited about mm-hmm. joining this organization. If you're using their money to not give them a good pledge experience or new member experience. You know, maybe they're not even going to want to stay in the chapter. And like, not to shade anybody for doing that, but like, that's just like bad accounting because the numbers aren't in your favor. You're almost always going to have more chapter members than you're going to have pledges. So if you want to charge more money, charge more, maybe charge a smaller amount to more people than a larger amount to To a smaller smaller group of people. Like, I'm not good at math, but like that checks out. And yeah. I was a vice president of finance. Yeah. LOL. Uh, the way my chapter did it, um, my chapter, like our pledge education committee or pledge educator leader um, worked alongside with the bigs. So the bigs would have a budget and the bigs would know, you know, what they should get for their littles and how they should uh, coordinate that. I think that's mm-hmm. the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. And, you know, if you're wondering like well what constitutes like going to pledges what does that mean it could mean if you provide binders with all of like a printout of all of the module information that could be covered in a pledge fee or if you put together study hours and have a snack for them as one of your electives the money from the pledge fees could go to paying for those snacks whatever yeah you could build in 15 dollars for a pledge class t-shirt um right but it has to be something that is going directly to the pledges in that pledge class. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Post initiation gifts. We all love those. So, yeah. So I think the only other things that you would get billed from us would be events like PBLI and mm-hmm. convention. Mm-hmm. Um, 
when you register, if you choose Build My Chapter, that will be invoiced to you from us. So, yeah. And then like the other, yeah, like you said, the other glaring fee that we haven't touched on yet that you would get billed for from us is for your chap, no, for your convention savings plan. There's a lot Mm, of CESPs here, but convention savings plan every semester, um, you get charged $250. Well, that'll change over the next yeah, coming years. At, but at the time of this recording, <laughs> right. it's current on numbers. this day, BCE, um, or whatever the accurate timestamp, whatever, $250 every term goes into this beautiful fund called the Convention Savings Plan that will help and as, as long as you're actually paying for that thing, you're, you would have been guaranteed two registrations for convention. for convention, especially at a PBLI rate. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Just, it just minimizes the cost of the two individuals who are required to come to convention. Mm-hmm. It minimizes those for them. Um, PBLI is different. We don't collect any fees without the registrations already being registered Mm -hmm. so you won't get charged those until you do have people that register for convention the convention savings plan is the opposite we collect the money and then we just say here you go like this should this will cover at least two people specifically at the pbli rate it might cover two people at a later date and time rate um but for sure two at pbli and that's why it's so important to register at pbli is because you're guaranteed to have you know, some money left over potentially so that if you need to substitute, like a lot of chapters do, they don't know exactly who might be going. Yeah. Um, that the people that register at PBLI doesn't have to be the two people that you're going to send to convention. You don't have to just register two people or one person. You can register as many people at that rate just as long as you're there Yeah. to mm-hmm. do it. And then the last fraternity event I think we should uh, point on is the one that's paid for for you to go and, and also technically the first fraternity yes. event <laughs> yes. which is in the pathway yeah which is president's academy um held at some point in january um at a city in the united states <laughs> at a location that will be determined at a later time close yeah. later right? um tbd um and this event is a no-brainer if you can swing to be able to go if you have the time because you don't have to pay for it yeah so airfare done covered hotel done covered transportation done chock full of learning great aksi things done and done and you get to see all of our beautiful faces indeed so just go (laughs) um and now let's kind of just ease on into so you have all, the, you have these numbers. You know what you're going to be charged. What's the best way to get that money? Right. First and foremost. Methods. Yeah. yeah. So I think the simplest and easiest way to get the money is to do it through Chapter Spot. Um, you can link it directly to your Chapter Bank account through Stripe. Um, quick disclaimer: We don't really have anything to do with Stripe. <laughs> So Stripe is its own entity. Yeah, they party. are a partner yes. with Chapter Spot. If you have issues, I, there's a button in Chapter Spot like 
issues with Stripe? Question um, mark. Mm-hmm. Hit that button. <laughs> yeah. Smash that button. We won't really be able to help. Yeah, <laughs> you can tell us. Unfortunately, but. but we we will do the best we can. Um, but I think it's just the easiest because people don't really carry cash these days. Um, I I can almost guarantee that half of America does not know how to write a check, um, <laughs> though it is an option. But you can assess everyone dues just by clicking a couple quick buttons in Chapter Spot. Um, you can see who has paid and who hasn't paid already through Chapter Spot. Um, it just kind of streamlines the process. That being said, there is a small fee, I believe, associated mm-hmm. with it, either for Stripe to process or Chapter Spot to process. And someone's getting paid somewhere because that's how the world in. works. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think. It all the the reason using Chapter Spot is also the neatest is because it keeps a record of it. And one thing I think chapters lose sight of because realistically, at most, you're probably going to be in the chapter for four, maybe five years, is that you need to keep your financial documents for a long time. Oh, um, and having them in a location where it's guaranteed that that's going to happen, mm-hmm. whether you choose to do it or not. Um, mm-hmm. just simplifies that process. Mm-hmm. So assign dues through chapter spot, but if that isn't being utilized or isn't friendly for you, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. There's definitely other methods as well. Yeah. yeah. How you want to collect kind of just d- depends on what your personal preference is. Obviously, like Kim said, chapter spot would be the easiest, but if you'd rather do checks or cash, you can do that as well um, with cash. You should have someone else, you know, not be the only person collecting that cash um, just for security reasons. Tracking, (laughs) verification and tracking. Yeah. Um, Yeah, And again, as I mentioned, like um, if you're collecting cash, you should be giving a receipt to that person mm -hmm. and you should be giving a receipt to if the treasurer is collecting it, then give it to your VPM or your VPA, um, VP membership, VP admin or whatever your chapter equivalent to those are so that multiple people know who has and hasn't paid one because then their status can be updated properly if they haven't paid. Mm -hmm. And two, it makes sure that no one can run off with all the cash. Yeah. Receipt books. Yeah. Um, Uh, Quick point on a stripe that most chapters, uh, I believe you guys should be aware of is the quick quick tip with Stripe um, is that those payments don't come directly to the Heritage Center. So it is a means of collecting funds for from the members to the chapter's bank account. So from there, you you'll make the payment right the bank account because <laughs> Stripe is not paying. It's the funds are not coming to your Heritage Center account. Mm-hmm. So that is a separate process on its own. Yeah. But also really easy because you can just pop onto the member payment center. Um, yeah. And use your card or give us a call here at the Heritage Center, mm-hmm. 317-872-1553. Yeah. Ask to speak to Dina or Kathy. They'd be happy to take a payment over the phone. You can write us a check, <laughs> pop mm-hmm. it in the mail. So many options. Also so. be mindful of whether or not your college or university requires you to make payments through the college or university. Um, yep. Which is something you definitely should take account into as far as um, the due dates for all your dues are um so make sure that you're making sure you're getting your dues collected to the school in enough time so that you're not delinquent on your dues to us by the time october 15th or february 15th comes around being aware how much time that 
might take your college to actually get that check cut to you. Mm Because I know at our school, it was pretty quick. But, you know, at a larger school, it might not be that way. We turn around. We We have multiple organizations. As lucky as us. And when you know that they're slow, have them, again, write a receipt to you. X chapter gave us X fees to send out a check for X amount of money on mm-hmm. date because mm-hmm. then when we come and we're like you're getting us our finance charges for this you can be like we asked for yeah. it they're just slow mm-hmm. right. and then we'll we'll take stop charging you finance charges yeah. and we'll yeah. take back the ones we've already charged because it's not because it's of not you. your fault right. um but we'll you have to have proof of that or exactly. yeah. can't receipts. take a word for it. We need the read receipts. <laughs> Documentation. We're not going to. You need a physical receipt and mm. we need the read receipts. Yeah. So. Even yes. if your school is going to leave you on red. <laughs> um, and just to, just to wrap up this little section, which is again, if you have issues with any of like, if you have questions, comments, or concerns on how to like the best way to get payments to us or, you know, Support at chapterspot.com, support at stripe.com, um, ask us, call in, mm-hmm. ask for Dina or Kathy. Um, if you need things like a determination letter or your IRS number or whatever. Copy of your 990. Correct. Ask us for it because it's all available. It's what we're here for. Yep. Sitting on it will not help you. No. I will say the last kind of acceptable form of payment, if it's something that your chapter is interested in, is Square. Um, you can get like a little Square card reader with a chip reader if you want. Um, that works very similar to Stripe in that you can have a full transaction history there mm-hmm. that stays on file for a long time. Um, the one payment method that we really discourage chapters from using, Venmo. Um, for numerous reasons, uh, because it's difficult to move it from one person to the next mm-hmm. semester or term after term. Um, it doesn't keep a great history of transactions. Um, so if if you are using Venmo. Stop. Please. Um, but <laughs> but if, if, if you must continue, we really recommend that you only accept money through Venmo and that if you are reimbursing people for anything or covering a cost for someone ahead of time, anything like that, that that is facilitated through another payment method. Mm-hmm. Um, PayPal. Yeah. In closing, just please don't use Venmo. <laughs> please and thank you. Um, so now we've went over what the costs are, some ways, good or bad, to collect them. Um, let's just go over some like nitty-gritty operational stuff, um, how to control what's coming in and what's going out. Um, and the first step would be to, like, well, have a budget, first of all. And we have beautiful budget templates Mm-hmm. That was created by our amazing Dina Gospel here um, at the Heritage Center. Go over that. See what's missing, maybe, what you want to add or what's already there for you. Go over that budget, um, like, each semester, each meeting, whatever, just to make sure that all, like, the transparency is at, like, 100%. And, like... The reason a budget is so important is because even if you think you know how much money you're going to spend on something, you're still probably going to spend more money on that thing. Mm -hmm. Um, 
that's why Qdoba always cost me $15 instead of 10 mm-hmm. because your girl <laughs> likes them add-ons. So Chips, man. It's also just a sense guac of awareness. Guac is extra. <laughs> and I always want the guac. And so are t-shirts. Budget for them. Right. Yeah. Uh, if you don't have a budget, you you're, you just don't. It's chaos. You're flying blind. <laughs> Icarus right into the sun, my friend. That glue's going to melt. If you don't have a budget, you are literally that scene from Wolf of Wall Street where he's just <laughs> flashing money. But it's not for fun. It's not for fun. And it's going to come back to bite you when you run out of money to pay for the banquet or recruitment or to pay us here at the Heritage Center. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think just keeping in mind that money is a real thing, even if you're, you know, if you can't actually see it, if you're not using cash. So if your recruitment budget goes over, you know, that's the time that you need to sit back down and decide where you're pulling that extra money from. Like Mm -hmm. who, whose budget is getting less because you need to spend more on something else. Yeah. Yeah. So, or are you holding additional fundraisers to Mm -hmm. make up that? Yeah. That deficit. So revisiting. To yeah, kind of keep sense, track of it. Yeah, sense of awareness in a way. You know how, how far you can stretch the dollar. Yeah. Or and dollars. Such a, a beautiful thing to like talk about to future employers that you were able to manage a budget mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. an organization, no matter what the size, because um, it has its advantages being able to organize a budget and look after it and keep up with it um, at a small chapter or at a big chapter. Um, that's just an added benefit of making sure that you know what the heck is going on. And it directly benefits whoever oversees it. Cause if you can budget for another organization, another account, like you're going to be so much better off managing your own money. Mm-hmm. Um, and I promise you won't be like me just getting all the guac and mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, All the queso. Yeah. Some chapters choose to have their own chapter bank account, um, which has its advantages. um, But there are some important steps that you have to take if that's something that your chapter wants to do or has been doing um, and wants to keep doing. Yeah. So if you have your own bank account, there should definitely be multiple people on the account, multiple signers. Um, uh, The treasurer. Mm-hmm. obviously I was gonna say define multiple because <laughs> that can be yeah uh, I would say two, two no two no more than three um okay. and those people in particular should be treasure obviously mm-hmm. a secondary person like a VP admin um president although we don't really recommend that one but the third person that we would recommend is an alumni and whether that's your chapter advisor or just Mm -hmm. an alumni who works very closely with your chapter, it's important because one thing that can sometimes can often get overlooked in an officer transition is changing the name on the account. Mm -hmm. And if John Smith is on the account and he's the only one, and then he departs your chapter and the United States Mm -hmm. to travel the world and find himself after graduation, um, you're not honestly (laughs) Euro trip who, um, no one's going to be able to access that money because the person who's on the account is gone and they can't approve anyone else until that person returns. So having an alumni who is going to consistently be available, um, just makes that process so much easier, especially if they're local. Yeah. So that they can be a signatory on that account. 
could a faculty advisor also? They could. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I would clear that with them. Uh, I mean, obviously, because you would need to have them go and do that. But right. um, because then they may be asked to sign different things. And if they're not someone who is readily available, right. um, that's why we usually recommend an alumni. But and this isn't just for a chapter bank account. This is for chapter investment accounts, anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, it's really hard to track down a brother from 10 years ago when the only information we at the Heritage Center have on file is their snail mail address um, to get you know funds backed into the chapter hands. So important so that you have access to the money and also important because then multiple people know where that money is going yeah if you only have one person on the account it's very easy for them to you know maybe grab some starbucks for themselves one day or skim a little off new iphone or something yeah yeah Um, and and no one would notice because i have a secondary question um would this also work for sponsorships i don't know if that question is clear but like having maybe more than one person kind of work with a company or whomever they're getting there that should, sponsorship from. There should be a main contact person. I think we'll definitely be talking about this more when we have a, the episode about corporate sponsorship. Okay. Um, but yeah, there should be more than one person, you know, overlooking contracts, things right. like that, just because it's always better to have a fresh set of eyes. Yep. Always, always. So I agree. Um, Let's talk about audits. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Something that we ask for, um, ask if you do them, because we recommend that you do them, um, is a chapter audit Mm -hmm. done annually. Uh, We ask about it in the chapter success plan. Um, We recommend that it's like an alumni or faculty member or like a third party that's like really trusted and good with finances to do a chapter audit and making sure that um, things are getting reconciled and that you have funds and things are being accounted for. And to circle back to to Amber's point from earlier, doing an audit is a great way to understand how you need to over overhaul your budget for the mm-hmm. following year if what you budgeted for the current year was just really off. Mm-hmm. If you do end up spending more on recruitment, doing an audit will help just repoint that out along with, you know, places where you might have not spent less. So yeah, you can right. just better allocate those funds to be prepared. Beautiful Filling, way to right. see the, it's a beautiful way to see the, uh, the trends. The pattern. Like we yeah. yearly, we don't budget enough for recruitment every year, mm-hmm. but we always use a lot of money for recruitment. Maybe right. think about that when you're budgeting. It'll, it, I mean, if anything, so it would, it would reveal, any money that may have gone missing, any patterns. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to keep track of. Um, and then we've touched on it a lot um, as far as read receipts are concerned, but getting documentation and having a concrete way to do that is a method of control that we, I mean, it, you definitely should be doing just to make sure that you're covering all your bases. And those can look like a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, first and foremost, receipt collection. Anytime money is spent using chapter funds, you need to collect the receipt just so that there's some verification that the funds are being used properly. Um, And if you run a program where money is being spent out of pocket by members to get reimbursed, you have to have the receipt to officially Mm -hmm. give them that money back. Um, We recommend that they send in a proposal or you know, at least do a preliminary shop of yeah. what things are going to cost before going out. Because if you're like, like I something. need 
$200 for formal. But when you proposed, you only said, you said you could do it with like $120. Mm-hmm. So then, then that $80 again needs to be made up somewhere and um, figure it out. Make yeah. your own streamers. <laughs> Indeed. Reimbursement forms. You should have a standardized form for that. It shouldn't just be me rolling up to Jess being like, hey, yo, give me money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when was the money spent? How did you pay for it? Do you have a receipt? Do you, is the receipt <laughs> included? Right. What specific items? You know, all of what budget should it be coming out of if you have multiple budgets? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, again, really good ways to keep track of, of where you're going. And the, the reason we talk about documentation so much is because all chapters are obligated to hold on to all of their financial receipts and documentation per the IRS for seven years. Um, that's going to be longer than you're in the chapter, guaranteed. Right. So it's important to hold on to all of that stuff and to know that because if, knock on wood, knock on whatever this table is, laminate, um, <laughs> we ever get we ever get audited, you know, we're going to have to audit our chapters and it will be very difficult to do that if you're like, no, we do everything through Venmo and cash uh, and have no receipts for anything. No tracking. Dating back to... 1999 i don't know um prints but prompts yes um please hold please hold on i was gonna add to documentations um i would say also just as far as documentations maybe keeping documentation when it comes to opening different accounts bank accounts when was this account open how much was the initial deposit so and login information Mm, yes that's a yep yeah yep login information (laughs) Mm -hmm. Super if you important. have to change that password every 90 days, keep a log of your login yep. information because they're not going to know what mm-hmm. the password was two times ago. And the program's going to be like, not today. Right. But yes, your bank, any bank that you guys initially decide to go with, they will give you documents and paperwork showing that you opened a checkings or you opened up a savings. So that's good to keep on file. And Oh, go ahead. Um, I was just going to say, going off of that, <laughs> do not ever use a personal bank account to collect mm-hmm. chapter funds. No. Yes. This could ever. look like an actual bank account or like a shoebox under your mm-hmm. dorm room bed. You should have <laughs> a specific bank account that is for your chapter. Right. In your in your chapter's name, mm-hmm. not, not Jesse Bolt, not... Just Amber, yeah, not Amber Hambach. It should be Alpha Kappa Psi, Alpha Whatever Alpha chapter. Alpha Chapter. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, with ooh. with information for your location on campus mm-hmm. as the address, all of that stuff. Phone number, sure, update it to the treasurer's number. Um, but everything should be done in your chapter's name because. It takes liability off one particular person, Um, but more importantly, it makes it harder for one person in particular to misuse funds. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Were you done, Amber? Okay. I don't want to just, I just, the thoughts come to my head. I'm like, oh, this is good. Um, Just going back to banks, uh, bank statements are something also that I would say important to have, important to keep track of. Mm -hmm. Shows your deposits, withdrawals, all that good stuff. And keep them for seven years. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, most banks have those electronically, you know, again, back to what Kim says, as far as logins, because, you know, you need that login to log in and get those statements, or you can even opt to have them mailed. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And I will say, going back to not using a personal account, it's not because we always think everyone is trying to steal money from the <laughs> chapter, but if right. it's your treasurer's personal account, chapter money that they're collecting for dues and pledge fees and all of that stuff is just getting mixed in with their Their regular money that they're getting from their job or whatever. So it just makes it a lot easier to keep track of separate accounts and kind of takes away that even option to misuse funds. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that could go also even on that, accident. That could go back to what we, we made the point of having more than one person. Mm-hmm. So if it's a personal account, it's just just a checking person. account, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we did a bang up good job going over a pretty like serious topic, um, something that unfortunately can be overlooked as far as the chapter officer lineup is concerned. And um, you need money to do things money makes the world go round yada 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 and you need to be able to keep track of it responsibly yeah so um if something wasn't covered or you have more questions uh please let us know um i would like to thank all of you for listening to operations avenue and like i said if you have questions comments concerns or even topic suggestions please email us at cerc at aksi.org um, that is CERC at aksite.org. Um, it'll go to all of us and then we'll respond accordingly. Um, tune in next time when we talk about the bridge syllabus. I think you mean tune in next season. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. this one's done. <laughs> <laughs>